The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. If you've got your Bible this morning, we're in 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to try to finish what we started last week. Um, really, what we've been looking at now for a number of weeks at how, how we as believers can live a life um, that would cause the world to take notice, a life that would um, silence the critics. And by the grace of God through our life, these, these brothers and sisters who, who do not know Jesus Christ would come to know him. This all began for us, um, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, which Peter writes, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That's where this transition was made by the, the, uh, the apostle Peter here, giving us um, instruction on how we can live this kind of life, a life that... Um, would cause a lost world to, to take notice. Um, the way that, that he says it is we would keep our conducts among the Gentiles honorable. We'd live in such a way that the Gentiles, those are people who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that when they speak against us as evildoers, even as they're doing that, they would see our good deeds. And in response to that, glorify God when he visits them for salvation. And so Peter... Um, shows us how we can, we can live this, this kind of life. Um, we started last week looking at Peter's teaching that we should be, we should do six things. And so last week we looked at the first five of those that have to do with our relationship to other believers. And here they are. That we would have a like-mindedness among us. That we would be sympathetic. That we would be brotherly loving one to another. That we would be tender-hearted and that we would be humble-minded. And then the one that we will deal with this week has to do with our relationship to unbelievers. And it is that we are called to be a blessing. So look with me, starting in verse 8, chapter 3. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Four, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. There is one 
main call for us in verses 9, 10, 11, and 12. And that is that we are called to be a blessing, not just to believers, but to unbelievers. Peter says in verse 9, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called. You see, as, as Peter writes these words to these churches, there, remember, just by way of, of reminder, if you've forgotten to, back to when we started or if you haven't been with us as we've been looking through 1 Peter that there, there's an assumption here. It's, it's not just an assumption, it is a reality. And that reality is, is that the, the people that Peter's writing this letter to are presently, as they're, they're hearing this or as they're reading this, they are experiencing suffering. So they are being reviled. They are being treated with evil. It's already began in the Roman Empire. Indeed, it will get much worse. Um, Probably, historically, the worst persecution that's ever existed towards Christians came under the emperor Nero, who had a fire ravage Rome and to shift the blame, blamed Christians. And so that began a full-scale, state-approved persecution of Christians where they would be dipped in in pitch and tied to a stake and set on fire to be lamps at night. Where crowds of people would join together and for entertainment watch them be devoured devoured by lions. It was unbelievable persecution that these brothers and sisters were enduring and they would endure. And Peter's instruction to them is, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. See, Peter makes this distinction here, and it is a distinction of both deeds and words. Do not repay evil for evil. These are evil deeds. If the lost world brings to your doorstep evil, if they bring evil into your life, if they treat you with evil intent, if they do evil deeds towards you, you are not to respond to them with evil deeds. And if they revile you, these are words, they say terrible and horrible things about you. If they make up things that aren't true, if they twist your words, if they claim certain things about you, do not respond in kind to them. Don't give evil for evil. Don't give reviling for reviling. Do not respond this way. That's that's Peter's instruction. And this is an instruction that is completely unnatural, right? 
Because the natural response of a human heart is to respond in the same way that you are, are given, right? So if we're treated evilly, then, then we respond with evil. Or if we are reviled, then we respond with reviling. That is the natural inclination of the human heart. Do you know how I know that? Because I have children. And no one has to, to teach uh, a brother to hit a sister because a sister hit a brother, right? Nobody has to teach that. That comes natural. Why'd you hit her? She hit me. It's, it's the natural response of the human heart to respond in the same way that you were acted upon. But Peter's command is, you don't live this way. The world lives this way because it's the natural response. But you, you don't live this way. Remember, this is, this is Peter's whole thing. Peter's whole thing is when you call on the name Jesus Christ, when you are saved, when you are born again, when you've been given a, a, a living hope, when you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, when those things happen, you change. Your nature changes. Your behavior changes. And what was once natural to you becomes unnatural. And what was once unnatural becomes natural. You are called to live differently than the world. The world responds evil with evil. The world responds reviling with reviling. But in the kingdom of God, the people of God, we do not respond this way. We don't live this way. We live differently than the world. And in our living differently, the world will, will take notice by the, the grace of, of God. And Peter puts it this way. He says, but on the contrary, bless. On the contrary, bless. Instead of repaying evil for evil and reviling for reviling, you do something different. You do the exact opposite. On the contrary, you bless. And I, I, I like the way Peter puts that. It's pretty clear. It's pretty simple. It is all-encompassing. You bless. You bless. And then Peter makes this statement. For to this you were called. For to this you were called. There's a... I was reading commentaries and doing my study. There, there's some people who sort of disagree with what for to this you were called refers to. Some would say for to this you were called refers to that you may obtain a blessing. That's the next phrase. For to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing, that we've been called to obtain a blessing. And that's true. But then others say, for to this you were called, refers back to don't respond evil with evil and reviling with reviling. Now, personally, I feel that what Peter means here is that we were called to return an insult with a blessing. That's what we're called to. As the people of God, we are called to return an insult with a blessing. To return an injustice towards us 
with a blessing. That's what we're called to. I think Peter's writing this to say this seems unnatural. This seems difficult. This seems crazy. But this is exactly what we signed up for. This is exactly what we were signed up for. This is what God has called us to. This is the kind of life that God has called us to. If we have been called by God unto salvation, then this is what we're called to. To return an insult with a blessing. So we shouldn't be shocked. Because this is the kind of life that God has called us to. Peter's saying, listen, you ought to know this because this is pretty fundamental in the Christian life. This is not new. Jesus himself says this in Matthew 5, starting in verse 43. For you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You see, in Jesus' teaching... All the way back in the Sermon on the Mount, that this is what Jesus has taught that our lifestyle should be, how we should live, and what our lives should look like. If an enemy hurts us, we respond by blessing them. We don't hate our enemies, we love our enemies. We don't wish harm for those who persecute us, we Pray for those who persecute us. This is not just an attitude that says, vengeance is the Lord's. Right? That's the first step. The first step is, I don't have to retaliate because vengeance is the Lord. But this is a step even beyond that. This is not just, vengeance is the Lord. And I don't have to respond to you in kind because my God will take care of you when that time comes. But instead, it is... Oh, I pray you would be blessed. How can I bless you? Not just vengeance is the Lord and I don't have to respond in kind. But even a step beyond that, my calling is, even as you persecute me, even as you hurt me, my response is to be one of blessing. Listen, church, there is no conditionality to evil. Just because a person may be evil or may do evil, that does not mean that our response of being evil is okay. There is no like, well, they are so evil that I don't have to be a blessing. That's not here, is it? Do not repay evil with evil or reviling with reviling, but on the contrary, bless. This is what we teach our kids. This is what we teach our kids, right? So if, if, if your brother hits you, you don't hit your brother. Or if your sister hits you, you don't hit your sister. Just because they hit you doesn't mean you hit them back, right? Just because they snatch something out of your hand does not mean you snatch something back. Just because they yell at you, you don't yell at them. This is what we teach. You don't respond in, in kind. We teach that to our kids. Yet somewhere along the line, we stop doing it ourselves, Somewhere along the line, we start to believe, well, if they hurt me, I can hurt them. Or if they're evil towards me, I can be evil towards them. Or if they uh, revile, speak ill of me, 
I can speak ill of them. And we forget what we teach our kids. We know this. This is, this is what we're called to and how we're called to live consistently. Evil is evil regardless of the circumstances. And our call is to turn away from evil and to do good. Our call is to not just refrain from responding in kind, but to, on top of that, to bless this person. Now, I can imagine, because I'm a, I'm a human being, that when people read this in, in Peter's day, they thought, this is crazy. When we read this today, we think this is crazy. How in the world can we do this? This is a fight. This is a battle. How in the world can we do this? And, and how can we have the motivation to do this? And so I think that's why Peter gives us this next phrase, that you may obtain a blessing. See, the, the motivation to live a life this way is that in doing this, the result is a fulfilled, happy life. That's the result. If you live this way, then you will live a happy life. A happy life. Because in doing this, you will obtain a blessing. That's what Peter says. Peter then, in the remaining verses of of this section of Scripture quotes from the Old Testament, Psalm 34. We thought we were getting there last week, so it was our scripture reading, and we sang it together, but we didn't get there. Psalm 34, starting in verse 11, says, Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? You see, this is the the psalmist saying, what man is there who desires life and loves many days? This is who desires a good life and days that he can enjoy. That's what the psalmist is saying. What man is there, who out there wants to love their life and have days that they can enjoy? I hope that's all of us. And then this is how you get it. You keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. You turn away from evil and do good. You seek peace and pursue it. Because the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. So that's the direct quotation from Psalm 34. Peter quotes it like this, chapter 3, starting in verse 10. 4. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. What Peter 
through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is doing here is he is showing us why we should pursue a kind of life that responds not how we're given, but instead to bless. Because it is difficult. We need a motivation. And the motivation is, if you desire to love life and to see good days, then you do this. Who doesn't want a life worth living? Who doesn't want a life worth loving? And if you do, then here's the blueprint. Here's the map. Here's the instructions. Return evil for good. Return evil for blessing. Here's what's amazing to me. Is that this, this teaching transcends culture. This is, this is what... what is happening here as Peter quotes from the Old Testament. What we see before us is the the unity of the Scriptures. That that what we, we hold in our laps is just as true and applicable today as it was the day that it was written. So just as the psalmist wrote these words thousands of years ago and they were true, they're still true today. See, when when Peter says, live this kind of way because in it you will receive a a blessing, and then he quotes from the Old Testament, what he's saying is is that those words from the Old Testament, they they were just as true in the day that Peter wrote this as they were in the day that the psalmist wrote it. And now here we are, 2,000 years after Peter, and it's just as true today as it was then. God's Word is always true. God's Word is, is always right. God's Word is always accurate. And if God's Word says, if we live certain ways, then we will get certain things, then we can guarantee that those things are going to happen because God's Word says it. God's Word says it. It's true. We can can bank on it because God does not change. He's the same yesterday as He is today as He will forever be. And if God was blessing those in the days of the psalmist with a blessing of a life worth loving and good and happy days then... And God was doing the same in Peter's day. God will do the same in our day. Returning evil with a blessing works in our life to bring us more blessing. It works to build for us, through the grace of God, a life worth loving and good days. Now, even as I say this, I'm thinking to myself, you sound like a televangelist. Like it just feels weird for me to say, if you want a happy life, then here it is. But it shouldn't, because this is what the scriptures say. But I want to be clear on some things. And please hear me. 
To live this way does not mean that you will have a life without suffering. This entire letter that Peter is writing is predicated on the assumption that these brothers and sisters are suffering and will suffer. Like That's the whole point of the letter. That these are suffering sojourners. That this world is not your home, and when you're in this world, you will suffer. Over and over and over and over and over again, we see in the Scriptures that all who desire to live godly lives will suffer persecution. That suffering is a part of the Christian life. And so when Peter says, when God says... Who desires to love life and to see good days? Then do these things. That does not mean that you're going to have a life free of suffering. Because that's not God's definition of a good life and good days. See, we've twisted our understanding of what your good life and good days are. Because we believe good days and good life is comfortable lives and stress-free lives and suffering-free lives and you know, no debt and good paying jobs and well-behaved children and, uh, you know, every relationship in, in harmony and nice homes and just a, a good life. That That's a good life, but that's not how God defines a good life. And if you're thinking, when I say, do this and you will have a happy life, that that's what that means, then you've missed the point. That's where our televangelist brothers missed the point. Is this is the, the definition of a, of a good life? You see, what God gives us is a recipe for a happy life, even in the face of suffering. That's what's so amazing about this. The good days that God has for us are days that are good regardless of the circumstances. When we can be treated unjustly, where people can act with evil intentions towards us and do evil things towards us and say evil, horrible things towards us. And yet our life is not determined by our circumstances, but there's a life worth loving and good days that, that supersede that. There's a blessing that supersedes that. When Peter says... But on the contrary, bless, for this is what you were called to, and in it you will receive a blessing. This is not just temporal, circumstantial, financial blessings. But this is a blessing that moves beyond that. And if we want it, then we have to keep our tongues from evil and our lips from speaking deceit. That's verse 10. Like if you want a life worth loving and you want good days, then you've got to do the hard work of keeping your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Like it's hard enough on a daily basis to do this. It is much harder when people speak with deceit and evil intentions towards us. 
But if you want a blessing, you, you keep your tongue. Verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. You turn away from evil and you do good. When evil is done towards us, this, this monster that rages inside of us is to do evil back. And Peter says, if you want a good life, if you want a blessed life, if you want a happy life, then you turn away from that and you do good. You seek peace and pursue it. This word for pursue is the same word as persecute. That you seek after peace, you seek after good in the same manner that they seek to persecute you. You seek after it. You know, when, you, when you're persecuting someone, you, you, are, you are chasing after it, right? That's what Peter's saying. You chase after peace. You chase after good. Because when you live this way, there is blessing for you in the form of a divine response. And here's what I believe the blessing is. Verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The blessing is that when we live a life that turns away from evil and seeks good, that does good, that seeks peace, that pursues peace, when we live this way, we don't respond evil with evil or reviling with reviling, but instead we seek to bless those who persecute us. When we live this kind of way, we get from God the promise that He hears our prayers and He's there for us in our time of need. This is the blessing. The blessing is more of God. And that's greater than a comfortable life. That supersedes circumstances. When you live this way, you get more of God. You are shaped and fashioned more into His image. Now, again, please listen to me. This is not a recipe for conversion. This is not a list of things that you have to do to earn heaven. So don't come to this and say, all right, I want to go to heaven. So that means in order for me to go to heaven, then I have to have a unity of mind and sympathy and brotherly love and a tender heart and a humble mind. And I have to uh, bless when people hurt me. And then God will approve of me and, and I will earn God's love and I will be okay. That's not what this text says. That's not what anything in the Bible says. You don't earn it. The reality is, and what we must understand, is that this kind of life only comes out of the gospel. You cannot live this way unless the gospel has changed you. Because it's unnatural. That's why this doesn't earn you to heaven. Because you can't get there 
on your own. You can't do this because you're a slave to the natural sinful inclinations of your heart. But when you are saved, when the gospel takes the blinders off, when the gospel loosens the chains of sin, when the gospel brings grace and forgiveness, when the gospel leads us to repentance, when the gospel causes us to be born again into a new creation, when all things in us are made new, now we have the ability to do this. And as we do this, we experience more of God. And as we experience more of God, as we're fashioned more into the image of Jesus Christ, then we experience happy days, good life, a life worth loving. You see, doing this is only possible through Jesus. It's not possible outside of him. And so what Peter is saying is, and now, you have been called by Jesus. You've been called by Jesus into salvation. And you've been called by Jesus into this kind of life. You have been born again. You have the Spirit of God in residence inside of you. And because of that, you are able to live this kind of life because this kind of life comes out of the person of Jesus. If you try this on your own, you are setting yourself up for misery. You're setting yourself up for misery. You're setting yourself up for failure. But if this comes through Jesus, it's possible. I've had 15 people probably ask me, you going to preach on Kanye this week? I think I'll preach on Jesus. But we shouldn't be shocked when somebody's saved. That's what Jesus does. He regenerates. That's what he does. And you can't change in a radical way and live this kind of life unless Jesus changes you. Kanye seems legit to me. We'll know, how will we know, this kind of life comes out of you. Because Jesus has changed you, he's molded you, he's shaped you, he's put his spirit inside of you, and he's called you to live like him. The more I've studied God's word, the more I've become convinced that the the one thing we're called to is to be like Jesus. So when we see this, We shouldn't be shocked. We shouldn't go, how in the world can I do this? What in the world would this look like? We ought to say, this is Jesus. I'm called to be like Jesus. I'm called to be made into the image of Jesus. And when we read that we should be like-minded, we should look to Jesus and say, Jesus himself is same-minded with God. 
How do we know that? John 17, 21, his prayer for us is that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So how are we to have like-mindedness one to another? We're to have like-mindedness one to another because our minds are renewed into the image of Jesus and he dwells in perfect unity and like-mindedness with the Father. And when we're molded into his image, guess what happens? Like-mindedness happens because he's like-mindedness. He's unity. He's harmony. That's who he is. When we read that we're to be sympathetic, we ought to look at Jesus and say, in him we see our sympathetic high priest. Hebrews 4, starting in verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When we see from the scriptures that we're called to be sympathetic, to, to feel what another brother feels, then we, how can I do that? We do that because that's who Jesus is. He's our sympathetic high priest. And as we're molded and shaped into his image, guess what we become? Sympathetic. When we read that we should be tender-hearted, we look to Jesus and we see Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, him say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That's tender heartedness. What do we find in Jesus? We find a tender heart. We find a heart that cares, a heart that loves, that feels compassion, towards those who need compassion. So when we're called to be tender-hearted, how can we be tender-hearted? As we're molded and shaped into the image of Jesus, he is tender-hearted. We become tender-hearted. We're called to be humble-minded. How can we be humble-minded? Jesus is humble-minded. Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Do you see it? This mind is yours already because it is in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God the thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus was humble-minded. As we're molded and shaped into the image of him, we are humble-minded. And we're called to bless our enemies. How in the world can we bless our enemies? We can do it because our Savior blessed his enemies. Luke 23, 33. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. What do we see in the crucifixion of Jesus? We see evil acted upon him. 
and a response of blessing. That's our experiences as believers. Hostile towards God, enemy towards God. No one seeks God, Romans 3, for all have turned astray. They've all become empty graves. Enemies of God. Vessels of wrath, the scriptures say. Yet God didn't repay our evil with evil. He repaid our evil with a blessing. And he gave us forgiveness and grace and mercy. And he loves us when we didn't deserve it. And he cares for us when we didn't deserve it. That's what we see in the Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to be, just like Jesus. Evil returned with a blessing. And it is in this kind of life that we experience our greatest joy, which is communion with God. A happy life, a life worth living, a life worth loving, good days, they come out of communion with God. This is the blessing. This is the blessing. So do you want a happy life? You want a happy life? Then live like Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Be molded and shaped into the image of Jesus. That's a happy life. Now, is that an easy life? No, that's not easy. What, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? Reviled. Evil done towards him. And we think we don't deserve it. He certainly never deserved it. Was it an easy life? No, it wasn't an easy life. Was it a comfortable life? No, it wasn't a comfortable life. Was it a life devoid of suffering? Ha! Can you imagine the suffering? But God's word says this is a good life. These are days worth loving. This is a happy life. To be molded and shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. To have like-mindedness. To be sympathetic. To have brotherly love. Tender hearts. And humble minds. And to not repay evil with evil, but on the contrary, to bless. For who desires to love his life and to have good days? Turn away from evil. Do good. Seek peace. Live like Jesus. And the blessing of communion with God will come. That's the promise of the scriptures. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.